listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Well, church, today we're going to take a hiatus from our series, Eyewitness. We, we will come back to that. We'll return back to the series. But I feel very led this morning to preach a message to all of the mothers in the room. This, this is a message specifically for all the moms in the room. I, I do believe that men can glean from this too. But there's something about a mother's heart that I feel like needs to be addressed today. And I'm calling this sermon, What Did Mary Know? What Did Mary Know? Now, I'm certain by now you have most likely heard the song, Mary Did You Know? And um, Nikki's going to come up and sing it for us. Nikki, if you will, come on up. And <laughs> um, Nikki, I would have called my bluff. I would have grabbed that microphone and just started singing. Um, if, if you've never heard the song, Mary, Did You Know, where have you been hiding for the past three decades? That's all I want to say. This, every Christmas, this song, it, and, and somebody every year is going to redo this song. Like, they're going to re-record it. it um, for some of you, you may not know this, but it was originally written it by Christian comedian Mark Lowry. Mark Lowry is the one that penned the, the lyrics to this, and, and it was originally recorded in 1991. It was released by... Uh, Michael English, such a, a great voice in Christian music, and uh, it's, it's a powerful song. It, it's been recorded by many artists. Uh, Kenny Rogers and Winona Judd, they have a version of, of Mary Did You Know? Um, the acapella group Pentatonix, they have a, a version of it. Carrie Underwood has, has sang this song before, Dolly Parton. Probably the one that will catch most of you off guard, though, that you're not expecting is that um, the artist CeeLo Green, CeeLo Green, has performed and recorded Mary Did You Know. I didn't say it was good. I just said that he's recorded it. So, but, but in this song, if you're familiar with this song, the artist asks no less than, than 18 questions aimed at Mary to find out if she realized the magnitude of the birth of her son, Jesus. Nine of those questions are really specific. I'm just going to share a few of you, a few of them with you, but, but, but listen, it's questions like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? So they, they asked, Mary, did you know that? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby would one day rule the nations? And eventually it asked, did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? Now, the song offers no answers. It's just a series of questions. And I, I, I like the song. It's a good song. But I, I think when we ask all of those questions, if you're like me, I, I kind of want to know, what did Mary know? And so today, I want to attempt to answer the question, what did Mary know? Now, Mary is, is the mother of all mothers. We, we know this. We, we can give her those props because Mary, she was chosen by God. Luke chapter 1 tells us that the angel Gabriel came to Mary and, and in a vision he told her that you're going to have the son of God. And, and he tells her these words. He says, you are favored by God. That's the words that he uses. You have been selected and you are favored by God. To have his son. She was handpicked to raise the son of God. It's kind of like this. If someone were to give you the keys to this big, beautiful mansion. I mean, it's like a dream home. It's got more rooms than you could possibly think of. Uh, it, it's yours to keep. 
You can have it, but, but you've got to assume the responsibility of it. This means that you have to pay all of the property taxes. Some of you are like, I'm out. That's it. That's enough. You have to pay all of the property taxes. You've got to keep up with all of the maintenance of the house. That means you have to clean the pool. You have to mow the yard. Everything that has to be done on this property, you have to do it. It's a blessing, but it's also an extremely huge task. Raising the Son of God, it was a huge task. It was her and Joseph's duty to raise that child to not only believe, but to also act like the Son of God. I'm going to get on my soapbox here for just a few moments, if you don't mind. I don't care if you mind at all, but... um, I'm afraid that sometimes parents miss the assignment. Our job as parents is not to raise children. Our responsibility as parents is to raise godly adults. They're already children. We are given children as gifts. God puts them in our lives and we are to raise them to become mature, god Honoring God-fearing adults. And I'm afraid that sometimes parents take on the responsibility and, and, and they're, they're just raising children. They miss the assignment. And, and when that happens, the, 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 the child m- maintains the, the mentality of a child, even in an adult body, and all we've done is just raised older children. And and church, that's the problem with America today is that we have entitled, privileged, opinionated, grown children that they want life handed to them. And 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 they wear their feelings on their shoulders and they get offended with if anyone ever disagrees with them, and no one has taught them that people don't always have to think alike, act alike to get along. Why? Because they've been treated like children their entire lives. Mandy and I looked at at our children and we realized they were already children. Our job was to train them to become God-fearing adults, Christian adults. Mary's assignment was to raise the Son of God. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52 today. Her assignment was to raise the Son of God and it is an assignment that did not go without challenges. It certainly had its challenges. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress And he said to them, why were you looking for me? And Mary slapped him upside the head. And no, no, I'm sorry. That's that's not in here. No, no. You would have. Don't act like you wouldn't have. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? 
And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Have you ever felt like you failed as a parent? I have. There's many times that I felt like I failed as a parent. Maybe you've been there before. It doesn't mean that you stay there. It just means that in one moment or another, you felt like you got it wrong. You, you know what this feels like. Maybe, maybe your child can't spend one night away from home. For some reason, the way that you've raised them, they, 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 they have that dependency there. And they cannot spend one night away from home. And it will cause parents to scratch their heads going, what did, what did I do wrong? Maybe, maybe your child has become as sarcastic as you are. And it's cute until it's not. <laughs> or, or, or maybe your child can't handle disappointment because you have babied and pampered them all along the way. And so they're just not ready for, for life. They're not ready for the real world. Or maybe, or maybe, just maybe, you did not force your kids to eat their vegetables, and now the only thing that they eat is mac and cheese and chicken fingers. That's what we got wrong. That's where we failed. I feel like a failure as a parent. And if you think you failed as a parent, think about how Mary and Joseph must have felt in this moment. Church, they lost the Son of God. How do you lose the Son of God? I put him in a protective bubble. Like, I don't let anybody get close to him. They lost Jesus, God's Son. And they didn't even realize it for a whole day. These are bad parents. This is a bad parenting moment right here. They failed as parents. <coughs> and then after they realize that he's not with them, it takes them three days. And the last place that they look is the temple. The last place, that, that doesn't bother you the way it bothers me. The last place that you look is the temple. It's God's son. It's the first place I would have looked. And the last place that they choose to look is the temple. And it's almost like Jesus. It's almost like he is as puzzled as I am about this. Listen to it. The comments here in Luke 2, 48, 49 from our text again. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's the first place you go look. But poor Mary, poor Mary. As if parenting isn't hard enough. And all the parents in the room say Amen. As if parenting isn't hard enough, they've got the responsibility of raising God in the flesh. That's, that's their load to bear. That's, that's the assignment God has put on their lives, is that they have to raise God in the flesh. But what's interesting, when you ask your, your, yourself the question, what did, what did Mary know about this? She knew when he was just eight days old, that at some point this, this whole scenario was going to turn tragic. She knew this. 
Mary and Joseph, they took baby Jesus to the temple. As I mentioned earlier during the child dedication, they took him to the temple in, in order to present him before the Lord. And uh, there's this old man at the temple. He's been waiting his whole life for the Messiah. And he was praying, God, I don't want to die until I see the Messiah. And this old man by the name of Simeon is at the temple, and, and, and he takes Jesus, eight days old, eight-day-old baby Jesus, he takes him into his arms, and, and, and he begins to prophesy over him. Parents, I need you to listen to me. It's time that we start again prophesying over our children. I don't mean in some weird, like, 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 like crazy way out there. You know, I, no, I'm talking about we, we take our children and we start speaking life into them again. We start telling them that they're a man and a woman of God and that they're becoming a man and a woman of God. We start telling them that their steps are the righteous. Them are ordered by the Lord. That we start speaking life into them. We we start telling them that, that, that God is able and that God is going to see them through. They're watching us crumble under pressure and they have no faith whatsoever. It's time once again that we start prophesying into our homes and we start telling them, God's got this. We're going to be okay. We've just got to put our trust in him. And this old man named Simeon at the temple, he takes baby Jesus into his arms and he begins to prophesy over him. And, and here's what he says, Luke chapter 2, verse 29. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation. He's looking at this baby. He recognizes this is the salvation for Israel. He, he knows this is the one who will cleanse the sins of the world. And he says, I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. That's the prophecy that he says over his life. You see, that's how you prophesy over your children. But in verse 33, he turns his attention to the parents. And Simeon says this. It says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many people in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. He's eight days old and she's already being told tragedy is on the horizon how heartbreaking it must have been for this mother to hear this precious baby that she birthed I think sometimes when we think about this 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 scenario we often immediately go to John three sixteen. you know for God so loved the world that he gave his his only son I, I believe that. I think that's, that's definitely worth looking at and understanding the theology behind all that. It, it, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge sacrifice. But the one thing that we always fail to remember is Mary in this whole thing. It's still her flesh and blood. She gave birth to him. He didn't just supernaturally appear out of nowhere. She carried her in him in her womb. This is her baby. And she just received the news at eight days old that this precious baby that you birth will one day go through so much that it's going to feel like your soul has been pierced with a sword. That's what he tells her. 
That it's going to get so bad one day that it is going to feel like someone has stuck a sword in you. No parent signs up for that. Not even the woman who, who looked at the angel Gabriel when he said, you're going to have God's son. And she responded with, be it unto me. In other words, I, I accept the challenge. I accept the assignment. Be it unto me. I, I will be the one that carries God's son. She accepted that. But, 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 but she didn't sign up for this. God, God never tells us the whole situation. He, he knows that we can't handle it. But to answer the question, did Mary know? Yes, yes, she knew, she knew. My wife has a, a hope chest full of items from Kendall and Caleb's childhood. I don't know what we're going to do with them, but they're there. If we ever need a baby tooth, it's in there. But she's got school pictures from every grade, baby clothes, shoes, things they made at school, things they made at church, their first poopy diapers, vacuum sealed for safekeeping, I'm sure, I'm certain they're in there probably, I don't know, I don't know. But, but if you know me, you, you know that I'm a sneakerhead, like I like shoes, I, I don't apologize for it, get over it if you don't like it, um, but I, I love sneakers, I do. And, and one of the things that I'm looking forward to is, is buying my grandchild when it's born. It, it's on the way. But when my grandchild is born, I'm looking forward to buying it some baby Jordans. <laughs> and I've been sending pictures to my, to my son and daughter-in-law of little baby Jordans that I'm finding. And I know they're going to wear them like three times and they'll outgrow them, but it's still awesome, right? And, and so I've been sending them pictures. And, and Mariah, the other night she told me, she said, you know, when I was a baby, my uncle bought me baby Jordans. I said, that's so cool. And she says, I think my mom still has them. I said, find them. And they, she showed me a picture of them. They're awesome. I mean, they are like the cutest and coolest shoes I've ever seen in my life. Little baby Jordans. I, I don't think Mary kept Jesus' first pair of Jordans. You know, they're manufactured down by the river. Jordan. They were really cool shoes, though, because they, you could walk on water in them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I doubt that Mary got a flower to press at his baby dedication at the temple that day. I, I doubt that she got that, even though he is the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valley. I doubt she got any, any keepsakes from it. She was, however, a woman that reflected on memories. She was contemplative over the things that, that she heard and seen over his childhood. There were so many divine moments. How, how could she forget? When he was first born, there were shepherds that, that saw this multitude of angels, a heavenly host, and, and they informed these shepherds that in Bethlehem that there was a, a baby that was being born that was going to bring salvation and so they make the journey, and they, they go to see baby Jesus. When they see baby Jesus, then they go all throughout the town, and they start telling everybody that they see what, exactly what they had experienced. And the Bible says that everyone in the town was astonished. And, and then it tells us this. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, it says that Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. 
These things just didn't happen. I mean, she, she had like the baby scrapbook and stuff. And she's like, shepherds came to visit my baby today. And everyone in town thinks this is amazing. She treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 Right after this event at the temple at 12 years of age, where they lost him, they find him. It says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And here it is. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Often Mary would reflect on on what it was like to raise the son of God. She kept these things close to her heart so that she could recall them and remember them like a mother that realizes that her child has an amazing intellect or a mother that recognizes that their child is quite the athlete or like a good mother that sees their child's potential and then helps them to be the best version of themselves that they could possibly be. Mary knew that Jesus had a destiny. She knew it. There is no doubt Mary knew Jesus had a destiny. That's why when he was 30 years old, Jesus and his mom, they get invited to a wedding in Cana. And while they're there, they, they run out of wine at the, at the wedding. And Mary knows the solution. I, I don't know what had happened up until that moment. We, there's no recorded miracles that take place. But Mary knew. And she looks at him and she says, son, you can fix this situation you can make water out of wine. And he says, woman, mom, my time has not yet come. And I love what Mary does because she's a mom. She's a mom. This is how moms respond. He says, my time has not yet come. She looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And she walks off. She just leaves him standing there. And Jesus has no choice but to obey his mom and turn water into wine. He does it. He turns water into wine, and all the guests at the reception, they're like, well, y'all saved the best for last. Of course they did. Jesus made it. And Mary knew. Mary knew that he was capable of doing this. She knew that he was going to bless many people. But she also knew that he would have to suffer pain to save the world from its unrighteous, sinful nature. She knew it. She knew the day was coming. She was informed at eight days old that this was going to happen. And like a good mother, she worried about him. I mean, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane praying, Father, if it, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You don't think his mom prayed that too? If there's any possible way that, that, that my son could, could save the world and not have to die for their sins, if there's any way, please let it happen. I don't even have to see that recorded in Scripture to know that she prayed like that. Because mamas, that's how you pray. She worried about him. There was this one moment in Scripture where he's at his, 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 the height of his popularity He's performing miracles, opening blinded eyes, the lame are walking. The multitudes by the thousands are pressing in to hear him teach and expound upon the Old Testament scriptures and what they mean for for living in that day and age, how, how that applies to their lives. They're listening to him expound on these scriptures and everyone is just captivated by his ministry. His his mom gets so worried that she goes and she gets his brothers. We know that he had brothers and at least two sisters. We know that. She goes and gets his brothers and and, and she comes to where they're they're meeting and and she says, I I need to see my son. They go in and they tell Jesus and, and Jesus knows why they're there. They're concerned for him. 
He was so busy preaching to the multitude that he wasn't even taking care of himself. The Bible says that he was not taking time to eat. Mama's worried. Mom is concerned. It's scripture says they came to seize him. His mom and his brothers, they came to grab hold of him because they are worried about him. And he looks at everyone in the room and he says, this is my family. The believers I'm surrounded with right now, this is my family. The Bible says that his mom and his brothers thought that he was crazy, that he was insane because of that moment. Why? Because she was worried about him. That's her firstborn. That's her baby. And there's no way that she, she knew what was going to happen. She knew that, that, that they were getting closer and closer to the moment of tragedy. She doesn't know what it looks like, but it was prophesied over his life. This is going to happen. And she knew that he had a destiny, but it didn't make it any easier. It's the hardest thing for a mother to do. At some point, as parents, we have to turn them loose and let them walk into their destiny. And it's not easy to do it, especially for your, for your you moms. I know it's not easy for you to do that, but it's so much easier to do that when you know that they're walking in the path that God has prepared for them. Poor Mary. On the darkest hour of her life, she experienced what no mother should ever have to experience. And some of the moms in the room, you've had to experience this. And my heart breaks for you. But she had to bury her child. It's not the natural order of things. No mother should have to bury their child. Yet, yet Mary had to bury her son. She experienced the death of her firstborn. Think about this. For six torturous hours... He hangs in the hot Middle Eastern sun on a cross, on a torture device. He hangs on a cross and she sits at his feet watching him die. I wonder as she looks up at Jesus on that cross, watching him suffer, watching him struggle to take a breath, I wonder if the, the, the thought came to her mind, the words of Simeon at the temple when he was eight days old, I wonder if those words begin to echo in her mind when he said, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul in that moment she is feeling it right now her insides are being torn apart as she's watching her son die on a cross when that day came she felt all 39 whips across his back moms you know what I'm talking about because when your baby's hurt you hurt it's a connection that I don't know we as men if we'll ever understand it. But every whip that went across his back with a cat of nine tails, she felt the pain of it. She felt the pain as they plucked his beard and spat upon him. She felt the nails as they were hammered into his hands and into his feet. She felt the pain of that. She felt the pain of the spear that was shoved into his side. And when he said, it is finished, and he took his last breath and died on that cross, a little piece of her died too. I've watched my wife 
I've watched her. She's lived every pain that my children have experienced. Moms, you know that I'm telling the truth. Every pain that they've had to walk through, she's walked through with them. She's felt it. There's been moments when, when, when I've hurt with them, but not like Mandy has. She's experienced every pain of, of every academic mishap. She experienced the pain of the missed potential game-winning free throw. I did too. It's free for a reason. One ties the game, son. Two wins the game, but it's okay. I'm over it. I've watched as my wife has experienced the pain of every heartbreak that my children have had to go through. I've watched as she's experienced the pain of every poor decision that they have made. I've watched as she's experienced the pain of when other people wanted to say things about them that were not true. I've watched as she has hurt as they have hurt. Some of you mothers, you know what I'm talking about because you feel the pain when they get it wrong. Children or adults, you feel the pain when they get it wrong. When life hands them a raw deal, you feel the pain. When they go through a divorce, a little piece of you dies in the process too, and God forbid, a custody battle. But when you see your child go through a custody battle, you feel the pain of that too. And here's why. You had hopes and dreams for them. You knew their potential. You knew what life could look like for them. But sometimes it feels like they've strayed so far away from that, whether it's their fault or someone else's fault. It, it, it's happened. And it's hard for a mother to look at that. It's not the life that you had planned for them. Oh, how Mary must have felt. This wasn't what she had hoped and prayed for her child. Every parent has a preferred destiny for their children, and this was certainly not it. And after he died, for three days, I'm sure that Mary replayed every divine moment that she experienced with Jesus as he was growing up. I'm certain she replayed it in her head over and over. For three days, it was like a, a never-ending reel. Just time and time again, she would just see all of these divine moments and think to herself, why, how, how did this happen? Like, like the other eyewitnesses that we've been talking about in our series for the last few weeks, Mary wasn't certain of the resurrection claim. I know this. I know. I, they, you don't have to spell it out in Scripture. How do I know she wasn't at the tomb waiting on the third day? No one was. This was a dark, depressing moment for anyone that knew Jesus. It's alluded to that maybe possibly she came to the tomb on the morning of the third day with spices in hand with other women to, to go through the the, the, the Jewish burial ceremony and, and all of the, the, the things that had to be done there. And it's possible, it's not clear in Scripture, but she wasn't there waiting for the resurrection. It was the longest three days of her life. But I can picture Mary. Can you imagine her sitting in a living room somewhere? 
surrounded by others who are mourning with her when Mary Magdalene walks in and says, um, excuse me, but I just saw Jesus. My creative liberties, no scripture to back this up at all. I picture Mary sitting over in the corner of a living room and she hears, he, he's alive. And I just see this mama's face light up and a smile come upon her face as she realizes I raised the resurrection and the life I think if Mary could speak to us today she would probably say don't give up hope mama don't give up hope the final chapter has not been written on your child Don't you give up. Though it's not recorded in the Bible, I know that Mary eventually saw the resurrected Jesus. She saw her son resurrected. The reason I know this, because in in Acts chapter 1, she's listed among the believers that follow the commands of Jesus before his ascension when he tells them to go to the upper room and wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's recorded. They call her by name, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And and she goes with them and waits in the upper room. We'll get there in the eyewitness series. We'll we'll get there. But, But I'm telling you, she knew. She knew. That's what Mary knew. Your child might not be where you want them. Maybe by their own accord or maybe someone else has, has done this to them. But, but I can tell you this. Don't give up. Mary would tell you don't give up. It might not look like how you want it to look. But don't give up. Our God has resurrection power. And he can take a life that, that seems so dead, that seems so, so, so lifeless, a, a, a life that just, just feels like it's been wasted, and he can resurrect that life. And I'm looking across this room, and I see those testimonies all over this room right now because there are, are, are praying mamas that prayed some of you, prayed me, prayed us back into a relationship with the Father. I know this to be true. Don't you give up hope. They may be so far from God right now. But don't you give up hope. The hand that's been dealt to them, it it, it probably has led them far away from God. But don't you give up hope on their salvation. Our prodigals are coming home in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.